You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Oh, no, there he is. Hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. How's it going, buddy? Craig? Good Good old Craig. Craig. Craig Christ. All right. Craig, I hope your Christmas party was better this year than in the past. (laughs) Friday's like, (laughs) how are we not getting royalties every time these guys podcast? Uh, so they, they they don't they do yeah. it for under seven seconds. So we're okay. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Yeah. As, long, as long as we but, stay under seven seconds, that we don't have to pay anybody yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well then, let's get started on episode three hundred and forty-seven of the A Foreign Affair Podcast. Welcome everyone to uh, the the latest episode. I'm Edward Green, joined as always by McCollin Crime West Bradshaw. Um, gotta admit this this is getting really weird to do without a camera. I just for for not for you, but just for me. Like I'm used to like now looking somewhere when I'm sitting here, and it's really awkward. Um, I don't know what to do with my hands. Um. See, I, we didn't use seven seconds of that movie you're, either, so we don't. You're, have to... you're pretty awkward. You're pretty awkward, bud. <laughs> I wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. Um, God, I, I really got to get around sure. to watching that. Have, have you seen season nine yet? I have not seen season nine yet. Why are we potting it? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Ah, I'm out. <laughs> oh my god. Well, good. Good night. It's, Happy New Year's, everybody. Yeah, it's probably a good thing you haven't watched season nine yet because it, it might take you a good week to sit there and digest what you're saying. Oh boy, I'm very excited then. Um, I cannot wait, and it, we'll we'll of course get to what we're talking about Not uh, later. That's true. Um, so of course we're going to be talking a little Premier League uh, for the matches that you know actually happened this week. We'll be talking about why some of those matches didn't happen this week, and uh, and more about. Spoiler alert! On. It's a fucking pandemic. Yep, it's uh, there are a lot of issues going on in England right now. Um, so we'll hit that, of course. We'll uh, we'll pimp the athletic. We'll hit the watch for sort of, kind of, and uh, yeah, we'll even have a our favorite segment. It's the return Ugh. of Sag Elite Raw. Super super Sag. Um, so yay, it's it's the only time we talk about wrestling anymore. It's really depressing, but hey, what's not depressing is that this podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at ngscsports.com. We never stop. All right, quickly, uh, there was two matches for almost every team played since last we potted. Uh, so let's get right to it. Um, uh, Lester. Draws Manchester United 2-2 thanks to Antoine Twanzibi's 85th minute own goal. 
that kept United from taking all the points through Bruno Fernandez. Um, two two was the result there. Uh, Aston Villa get a three nil victory over Crystal Palace, despite Tyrone Mings picking up a red card halfway through the match. Um, Aston Villa just ran roughshod over Palace and are looking like they want to be a contender for a European spot next year and drink from that. Dude, point. Yes. Before yeah. we before we run off from Crystal from uh, sure. Aston Villa, because this is what I do at this point. I just kind of jump in where I feel is needed. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Bro, is it time to start talking about Aston Villa being a damn good team? You know, I I, I was going to kind of get to this later. But I think this is a fair point to talk about it now. Like I was thinking, if, if this is starting to feel like not, I'm not, I'm not saying Aston Villa is going to win the Premier League this year, but no, this is no, no. feeling like a a Leicester City title season where nobody's super great right now. Nobody's running away with the Premier League, and the top like ten teams, at least in, uh, according to the table, are all really bunched up. So. Yeah, this could be a year not where someone crazy necessarily wins the title, but we could see a couple newer teams pop up in these European places. As you're mentioning, like in Aston Villa, who currently, while part of it is thanks to that drubbing they had of Liverpool earlier this season, are on the second best goal differential uh, of any team in the Premier League. And hey, they still, they're, they're four points. Right now, they're, let's say there's seven points behind Liverpool right now out of first, but they have two matches in hand when, when those yeah. are going to be played. That's something else we can talk about. But this is a team that I agree with you. It, 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 I want to see how they can keep it up in the long term because, you know, last year we had Leicester City who got to about this point last year and then kind of crapped out. What I want right. to see is if Aston Villa can kind of maintain this for an entire season. But as for right now, they have been absolutely, in my mind, one of the bright spots of the Premier League this season. Absolutely. And, you know, I think early on, even with the drumming of Liverpool, it was people were like, well, you know, they had a good day. They're they're still going to be fighting at the bottom. I mean, they're sitting in fifth mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And let me say, I mean, they're sitting in fifth. You know, they're tied at 26 points. There's a whole group of teams at 26 yeah. points. But, I mean... Vim and Manchester City are both sitting in 26 with two matches in hand, mm-hmm. which basically separates you from those other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're, they're right there. And like you say, you know, they win. If they, let's say tomorrow, they played both those matches somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so obviously, this is just hypothetical. And say they get up to 16 matches played and they win them both. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sitting a point behind Liverpool. They're ahead of everybody else at that point. Yeah. Um, United United would still have a match in hand to jump above right. them at that point. But, uh, I mean, they're sitting, as you said, in a prime European spot right now. And just the way this season's going, I mean, uh, right now, I'm going to tell you right now, the only team that I feel comfortable <laughs> saying to me are nailed on top four Mm-hmm. This isn't me being a homer. Is Liverpool? Yeah. I, I think at worst, at worst, I think Liverpool's finishing top four this year. I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. I think I think that's a worst case scenario is them finishing fourth. Right now, my God, the way this is playing out, anyone else? Shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the way down to about you know eighth because eighth mm-hmm. is Manchester City. 
mm-hmm. any of those teams uh, to me has a chance of finishing in that top four. Absolutely. And Villa. Now, if I had to put money on it, I'm not putting Villa. <laughs> I'm not, sure. I, out of those eight teams right now that are all either tied at 26 or above them, mm-hmm. to me, Villa is probably the eighth best team out of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when, when you have momentum and things are just going your way, I mean, you can't discount that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, it is only 14 matches. They are literally right now sitting, is that halfway through their season? Uh, no. uh, they're not even there yet. No, not no. so they're not quite halfway to the halfway point yet. They've had a great start. Um, I mean, they're 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 definitely doing the job right now. I, I don't foresee them continuing in that vein, but mm-hmm. I mean, if if Aston Villa can come from basically last day survival a season ago Ooh. to a top half of the table finish, mm-hmm. even if they don't end up in Europe. I mean that's uh that's that's a fantastic run this year. I mean that's that's an amazingly good improvement mm-hmm. from the year before. Um, and then I think it comes down to can they keep Jack Grealish in the summer? Yes. I mean that that's always yes. right now. That's always just that's the biggest question always surrounding them is can they keep Jack Grealish? But mm-hmm. um, you know if they show another year of steady improvement. You know, for a guy like Jack Grealish, that might be enough to be like, all right, I'll stick around another year. Let's see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, uh, right now, Villa's two matches in hand are mm-hmm. the game that they were initially supposed to start the season with against Manchester City. And right. the one that was recently postponed due to COVID with Newcastle. Um, now, neither of those are gimmies, but even, you know, at one point, it would have been like, yeah, good for Aston Villa to be able to dodge City earlier in the season. At this point... Yeah, that was probably that, the time to play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it, it is a little bit worrisome for Aston Villa, but I really got to look at them and just be like, this is a team that I think could absolutely finish in the top seven. Um, now, again, whether that's good or not for teams is is up for debate. But I think for a team like Aston Villa, um, provided that they can guarantee staying up next season, I, I think oh, to yeah. go, as you said, from where they were at this uh-huh. at the end of last season to get make European football would be such a boon for this franchise that has been such an integral part of top flight uh, uh, English football for a long time, but hadn't been recently. Um, so this would be, I think, something so big for their fans to be able to to rally around. And as we know, they're my second favorite team. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I mean, West Ham's either way. Like, I was I was on the bandwagon last year, just when they were trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I got on that bandwagon early. And yeah, you you were the one who were the ones who talk about Ollie Watkins, who's been one of their important oh, players oh, so yeah. far this season. So. Yeah, big big things coming out of uh, Aston Villa right now. Um, back to no, no need for us to talk about my Arsenal pick, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm starting to reverse jinx people, and I'm, so I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, in the meantime, though, Fulham and Southampton played to a nil-nil draw. You're just going to have to believe us. Uh, Arsenal, speaking of them, did beat Chelsea in a what uh, any other season would be just kind of oh well, good for them. 
But in this season, it's actually a slightly bigger than mild upset. Uh, 3-1 was the final there. Uh, Alexander Lacazette started off with a penalty in the 35th minute. Uh, everyone's favorite uh, whipping boy, Granit Xhaka, scored in the 44th. And Bakari Saka, no need to write a tearful Instagram message to his fans this time. He scored in the 56th minute. Um, Tammy Abraham got a late goal on for Chelsea. Um, but Wes... These these seem to be two teams. Arsenal, I mean, they're they're not backed by Eastern's imagination, although they did win their other match, um, as we'll get to in a little bit, uh, in a close battle with with fellow relegation candidate Brighton and Hove. Um, but this seems like this seems like a match where Chelsea needs to win if we're going to take them seriously, because this is a this was an Arsenal team that Chelsea could have put to the sword. And really, and possibly gotten Mikel Arteta fired. And instead he got, which may be good for the rest of the league, may, you know, may, may have just given Arteta another couple months. Um, but as for Frank Lampard, it, it, I think it's starting to get to the point where he needs to start putting actual answers up. Because it seems like every time this happens, it's just, well, the kids, you know, they just, they got to learn. You know, they got to, you know, it's just another learning day on the office. Well, at some point... Chelsea needs to start have stop having these disappointing results if I'm going to take them as like serious top four contenders because as we just pointed out in talking about Aston Villa there's like eight teams right now for four spots so there's no guarantee Chelsea is staying up in that top half of eight. One of the big problems that Chelsea are seeing <clears throat> is those those big names that they brought in in the in the mm. off season. Um, for for whatever for different reasons for all of them. I mean, you start with Hakeem Zayek. The mm -hmm. injuries have kept oh, yeah. him out, and we've seen when he when he plays, mm -hmm. he is he's a big time key for that squad. When he plays, he's he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, his injury situation has been harmful for them. Um, and then Timo Werner, who got off to a solid start on the year, has just gone ice cold. And it's like they have no idea where the hell to play Kai Havertz. And, in, you know, those are three guys who they spent big money on in the offseason, especially Werner and Havertz. Mm -hmm. And basically right now, it's hard to put them on the field. I mean, it helps when you've got a Pulisic mm -hmm. out yeah. there. Uh, and, when you, and when you've got, uh, of all people, Olivier Giroud just – Every yes. time he comes in, he just score. All he does is score. <laughs> um, this Chelsea team, they they don't have balance right now. Um, they don't have that killer final touch that they need. They just they seem a very disjointed unit at the moment. They're still very talented. Still might be. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna call them the most talented team in the league yet, but you know just. They might be in a year, you know what I mean? They have um, a very high ceiling. Yes, they do. They have some very high ceiling players, but it's just not coming together right now. Mm -hmm. And Frank just Frank looks a little downtrodden and just like almost a little confused right now. It's like, well, what mm -hmm. am I supposed to do here? Why is this not working? Mm -hmm. Um and I mean this is a big moment for Frank. Yeah. Where you know Frank Lampard has Frank has a big, uh, I guess, um, 
Frank has a real soft landing with this group mm-hmm. because because of who he is and what he means to the organization. But it doesn't matter who you are, you know, Roman Abramovich is in a results. He is a results-based owner. Mm-hmm. And he does not take losing or underachieving. He does not take it well. And I think Frank gets a little more leeway because, well, you know, he is a new manager and he's a club legend and he's done some nice things. So he's got a little more rope than most guys would have. Mm-hmm. But Frank's got to get things turned around. And um, I think it's imperative for him that he gets things turned around. <clears throat> but right now it's like he doesn't even know his best team to put on the field. Yeah, and that's and that really comes down to the manager. So he's he's gonna have to figure it out quick because I mean at this point, you know, as you said, bringing him in obviously brought a lot of goodwill because of him being a club legend at Chelsea. But we have to remember he spent one year at Derby, and then and then took over Chelsea. Like and and hey, he did fine there. Don't get me wrong, and he did fine in his first year. But there's no way that that one year at Derby could have prepared him for what he was going to face at Chelsea. Um, right. It, it, it right. may have been better for him to eventually like move on, like move at a more slower pace back to Chelsea, maybe taking, I don't know, a Newcastle or a, uh, or a palace job, something like that. And then eventually making his way to Chelsea because to, to have this be not only your second just your second managerial job at a team as big as Chelsea, but also to only be in your second year of managing is, is really tough. And I think he's starting to show that he, he doesn't have a lot of experience in being able to deal with these issues. Like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, absolutely. Yep. Rough go for right now. Um, Hey, but Manchester city, they got to winning ways. Uh, as they won 2-0 over Newcastle. LK Gundogan and Ferran Torres with goals in that one. Um, Everton starting to get back to their charmed life approach to matches. Help they played Sheffield United as they win 1-0 through Goofy Sigurdsson's goal in the 80th minute. Uh, that was the post-Christmas matches on Boxing Day. Then on Sunday, we had Leeds. Um, who won 1-0 over Burnley, thanks to an uh, early fifth-minute penalty. Um, that was one goal out of 100, just like how many points they had in the championship last year. Right, Leeds? Right. All right, uh, West Ham uh, drew Brighton 2-2. Um, big back-and-forth effort there. West Ham also one of the teams that's trying to make its way up the table and put in a good season under David Moyes while uh, Brighton looks to just kind of avoid the relegation scrap that's going on at the bottom. Um, then Wolves and Tottenham drew 1-1. Another with it becoming the story of Spurs season as Tangay and Dombley scored in the very first minute of play for Spurs. Uh, but uh, by the end, it would be Sice for Wolves to score in the 86th minute to get a point for the hosts. As what, they would drew, tre- what would the what would the late great Trevor Davies say? Oh. Scored too soon. Much too soon. Much too soon. Much too soon. Uh, and they the, their only bigger mistake they could have made is if they had scored a second right after it. 
And they would have oh. had the most dangerous lead in all of football. Oh, but that was that was the not the only team that may have scored a little too soon on Sunday, as Liverpool also drew one one. Uh, this one oh. to West Brom, thanks to thanks to a oh. a hashtag masterclass from, oh. from the pie man himself, Big Sam Allardyce. The the oh, resume is ready. Oh, master class of pies and defense. <laughs> um, you know, just, uh, just, just just waiting for Barcelona to fire Ronald Koeman. Huh? <laughs> it's, hey, he's Koeman's a one-year guy. This is this is all going on the CV. Who um, needs Xavi when you can have Sham? Oh man. Um, but Wes, this would be a, a sort of familiar pattern this week. For, uh, for Liverpool, as we'll get to in a little bit about yeah. their second match they played. Um, and this is, Dar- this is, this, we're going retro with this because this is like taking it back to three or four years ago on the podcast when we would dissect Liverpool of the, well, they had about 85% possession and they oh. had 10 more shots on goal and then they ended up 1 1. Um, <sighs> This this one a little bit more even as West Brom did manage to have some shots on goal despite having almost no possession, but still this was um th- this was one where West Brom was just praying for a draw after going down one one and somehow some way they got it. Uh, Liverpool had one shot on goal in the second half of that match um, for all their possession, no no killer final mm-hmm. pass to set people up. Um, once again, had chances. Uh, West Brom's keeper had a really good match. Yeah, you know, he was he was pulling some saves. Also a running theme for Liverpool this week. Yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, we're getting really good goalkeeping against this. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk, obviously, about the Newcastle match in a little bit. But Liverpool right now, they, they have been missing – you know, the midfield is a horses for courses when mm-hmm. he's got a healthy midfield and he hasn't had a healthy midfield. So, you know, and having to play Fabinho further back, it, it has not been an ideal situation for Jurgen Klopp. And they they just got they got caught on it this week. Um, there's just not that creativity to get the ball, you know, the, the front, the big three up front. I mean, they're, they're deadly. Don't get me wrong, but you've got to get on the ball in places. They can do things. That's just been an issue. And then they, they just haven't been at their sharpest here recently. And, you know, take into account, they just had a seven nil. Yeah. You know, and before that, a two one against Tottenham, but the last couple of matches just hasn't been there. And yeah, this is Liverpool who, you know, for they, they're ending 2020 the way they began 2020 at the top of the table. But it is um, it is a very different story mm-hmm. from December and January of last year. Last year in December, Liverpool basically won the league mm-hmm. um, by going on that tear and, you know, just never stopping in December. They, I think they won every match in December into January last year. And. Of course, it all kind of culminated with the win over um, Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, you know, the thing is, yeah, I said earlier, I think Liverpool are the only dead on top four team right now. 
Liverpool are the only thing keeping themselves from running away with this league right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I mean, I think it's pretty plain to see Liverpool are better than everyone else in the league, but you can be as good as you want. You've got to get those goals. Mm-hmm. And Klopp made a comment. You know, everybody was talking about the seven nil. He said, I'd rather have seven straight one nils. <laughs> um, and you know, it seemed coming out of that week with Spurs and then the uh, the seven nil against Crystal Palace, it seemed, uh oh, get ready, world. Liverpool had their shooting boots on, and now they played two matches against you know bottom half teams, and they've got one goal to show for it and two second half shots between the two matches. So obviously, there needs to be some adjustments. Um, Health is going to be a big thing for them going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, who can they keep healthy in midfield? They need that creativity in midfield. And uh, as we get to the Newcastle match, there was a return today in that match that could, hopefully mm-hmm. for Liverpool's sake, uh, spell some bigger things going forward. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Matip get injured in that match? The 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 West Brom match. Did the day end and why? <laughs> Of course, Joel Maddow got her. Uh, yeah, Joel Maddow went down. Uh, Klopp said today he's going to be out for three weeks, okay. which uh, an initial report we heard was saying three to four months. Oh, well. So I'll take three weeks <laughs> uh, so he can come back, play two matches, and get hurt again. But, you know, whatever. Not better. Uh, of course, no, not all. Uh, as far as that goes, man, we'll see what happens. The window opens in about 24 mm-hmm. hours from this point. Um, the window the window will be flung open. And I expect if Liverpool have a plan, they're going to try to do it pretty quickly. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no need to dick around to the end of the month on it. I mean, if you need, you need a guy, you need a guy as soon as you can get him. Yeah. Especially with, like, uh, as busy as the schedule is. Um, exactly. Get him in there. Blood him in. All right. So recording. All right. Um, so Olivier Giroud scored for Chelsea in that one, as you mentioned, Wes, earlier. Um, a big score of goals for Frank Lampard's men. Um, and then Everton and City were supposed to play. They didn't. We'll we'll get to that in the news and notes a little bit more. Um, Arsenal beating fellow relegation team Brighton and Hove 1-0 through a goal from Alexander Leck. Is that in a tight tight match um, that did see the Gunners get another three points. Oh, so tight. Arsenal jersey tight, you might say. Um, Burnley get a 1-0 victory uh, thanks to Ben Mee's 32nd goal to keep Sheffield United winless going into the next season, which is just such a tragedy. Um, Southampton uh, draw 0-0 again, this time to West Ham. Uh, Leeds uh, we can we can now pump the brakes, unfortunately, on Sam Allardyce, uh as Leeds wins 5-0 over West Brom. Uh, but Jack Harrison scored in the match, so that's good. And then uh, Ma- Manchester United living the charmed life against Wolves get a 93rd-minute goal from Marcus Rashford to win 1-0 there um, and keep their march up the table going. And then um, on today, Wednesday, Newcastle and Liverpool drew nil nil. Um, again, just a a masterclass from Newcastle's goalkeeper in this one, um, as that was the only match that was played today because Tottenham and Fulham also got postponed. Um, 
But Wes, anything else you want to add about Liverpool and the, the Newcastle <clears throat> match from today? Um, just a few things to point out. Uh, first time these two clubs have had a goalless draw since 1974. Wow. Yeah, I mean, these are these are two teams, Liverpool, Newcastle, very much known for their attacking over the years. Um, you know, back in the 90s played what was considered then and some still now consider the greatest Premier League game ever, which was a 4-3 Liverpool win. Um, at St. James Park, I believe. Um, but today, uh, I mean, today it played out a lot like the West Brom match, except Liverpool had great chances to score and just, you know, pulled some shots wide. Um, and then, I mean, the, the, the man of the day um, for Newcastle hmm. uh, was their goalkeeper. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um Lord knows I had the boy's name in front of me and I've completely lost it. Um, I'll get it for you. Really Kyle, Kyle Darlow? Yeah. Was it Darlow? Kyle Darlow? Yeah, because yeah. he also had a, um, he had a worldie against yeah. us too. Yeah, and Darlow had a few and then um, it looked it looked late on like we were about to score and Fabian Shar had a goal line clearance uh, just before Mane was able to get the ball into the net. Um one we did get in the net, I believe, was a pretty clear offside. So, <laughs> um, nothing to complain about there, but just another day where the finishing just um, finishing was poor. The first half was bad. I actually, Ed, today I made my return to the London Bridge. Oh, yay. Dude, it was, it was quite lovely. Had a delicious plate with uh, some wings and some uh, chips. <laughs> and it was uh, it was very nice. It was lovely to get back out and uh, hear the Liverpool fans screaming at the TV. Always fun. <laughs> um, just a really lackluster first half. Uh, we play. I thought we were slow. We didn't pass well at all in the first half, and then second half once again had opportunities, just unable to finish. And for Liverpool, they have now dropped through 16 matches this season. Last year through 16 matches, had 15 wins and a draw, mm-hmm. and have already have already dropped more points in this season than they did all of last season. Wow. So, uh, eh, but with all that, still sit top of the league. Yes. Yes. So. Um, it, it it's frustrating, but at the same time, you know, no one's. It's not like anyone's come and no. really taken advantage of this because Liverpool are still top of the league and are not playing anywhere near their best football, which I think is scary for everybody else going forward because they haven't played well and they're still top of the league. Mm-hmm. So the thing for Liverpool is the the ceiling is there. Mm-hmm there um the last 17 minutes today was the return of tiago alcantara yes i mean that can do nothing but help the squad tiago is the player that this squad has been crying out for the last two matches mm-hmm. uh, where the bus has been parked and you saw when he came in that attack suddenly I mean, you know that's when um that's when uh uh Mane got his chance they had some chances late on just unable to finish them but that's that creativity that we talk, that we were talking earlier about Liverpool lacking. 
You bring back in a Tiago Alcantara, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's back in the fold now. There is creativity there for the Liverpool midfield. Klopp just has to find the right combinations uh, going forward. But, I mean, what else can you say? End of the year, everyone's talking about how terrible it is for Liverpool and their top of the league. Hmm? I, I think the one, the one scary thing is that some teams are starting to climb a little bit. I think... There's, there's a bit of excitement about Manchester United right now, which of course means they're about to go on a three-match losing streak. So don't don't worry about that. That's usually how that works. Um, but I, I do City, think... City's not letting anybody score. So. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's just a little bit of vulnerableness to Liverpool. They're not... Even though they're not losing any of these matches, aside from the Aston Villa one... There, there, there definitely doesn't seem like that aura of invincibility that there was a little bit right. last year. Um, and I right. think that will give some teams hope going forward. And, and yes, they, they will get players back. They'll get players back like Alcantara. Uh, I, I don't know what Jota's timetable is, but obviously that would be a big help whenever he I believe back. maybe, maybe end of January for him. Okay. Um, so obviously that would also be a big help as, as a few of the upfront guys haven't been firing on all cylinders the last week or so as well, um, be able to be able to spell them. And, uh, so yeah, I, I think there is definitely a light at the end of this tunnel for Liverpool. It's just, can they, can they give themselves enough to get there? Um, and then there is of course the other, the other thing that I would be slightly worried about is a lot of what you're saying is like, this is what should happen. These, the, these players should come back and everything should be good. And Klopp will figure out the way to manage everybody and it'll work out great. And they'll Liverpool will continue to build from this and get better. The, there is the possibility that it just never happens that for whatever reason, the sauce just ain't there this year and they still have a great year. But maybe it's just whatever spark they had last year, they just never completely rediscover. Mm-hmm. Again, they could still win the league because nobody is taking this league by the scruff of the neck. But it is it it is a little worrying that there's Liverpool right now seem to be treading on the fact that no one has passed has surpassed them yet, and that there's hope. And you know what they say about hope. Hope that kills you. So I, I do think I do think Liverpool, as you said, is in a very good position. The fact that, as you said, they haven't played their best football this year and are still right. top going into the new year is very good for them. Um, but I do think that there there is a little bit of caution, much more so than there was last year at this time, uh, than uh, than this year. Um, but still, Liverpool. Well, you know, do it. Leave. Go, ahead, go ahead, please. You know, it, I mean, getting Tiago is like having a new son. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. I haven't dropped, we haven't dropped that one. Yeah. It's, it's not having a new son. Oh, Joda, going to come back at the end of the January transfer window. It's, it's just like a new signing. Oh, my It's heavens. like a new signing. Oh, oh you, know, you know what they need at Liverpool? What's a that? fucking new signing. <laughs> <laughs> an actual new signing. Just give us a damn center back, please. K, thank you. Oh man. Well, uh, they will not have one. I imagine you don't. We don't know how the transfer window exactly will work by the time they play in the next week because the matches they don't stop. 
Not for everybody, at least. Uh, right now on New Year's Day. That was when you get a good COVID outbreak. Yeah. Uh, no, New Year's Day, uh, all will be quiet because there won't be any fans of these games. Uh, Everton will be taking on West Ham at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then in a actually very big match at 3 p.m., Manchester United versus Aston Villa. Uh, if Manchester United win... They will go. They can't go top of the table unless they win by like nine, I think, or ten. So that probably won't happen. But they can go joint top at least for the moment with a win there. But if Villa win, well, they're they'll all excuse me be sitting in third place at that point. Um, So big, big points in the balance in that one. Uh, On Saturday at seven thirty, maybe it'll be Tottenham versus Leeds. We don't really know yet. Um, also at 10 a.m., uh, Palace versus Sheffield. Sheffield looks for their first one of the season still. Uh, 12.30, it's Brighton versus Wolves. And at 3 p.m., Big Sam looks to stick it to Arsenal to see if he can prevent or stop their current two-match winning streak. Sunday at 7 a.m., it's Burnley versus Fulham. Uh, 9.15, it's Newcastle Leicester. And 11.30, it's Chelsea versus Man City. See if City can hand big frank another loss and then on monday liverpool will be back in action as they take on southampton who see if they can actually score a goal or even give up a goal in the match and just not play another nil nil draw so <laughs> liverpool have taken everything from southampton can they take the three points we will see <laughs> um and then hey there's a league cup next week too semifinals tuesday wednesday because there's not enough matches being played obviously so and then and then the fa cup Oh, God. We'll, we'll, we'll give you our big FA Cup preview next week, right? Yeah, yeah, big FA Cup preview. Woohoo, Woo-hoo indeed. Uh, quick look at the table, as we've mentioned a couple times. Liverpool do sit atop at 33 points. United are at 30, but do have match in hand. Uh, Leicester at 29, along with Everton. Then it's Villa, Chelsea, Spurs, City, and Southampton all at 26 points to round out your top nine. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, it's Brighton and Hove who sit just outside of it at 13 points, Fulham currently at 11, West Brom at 8, and Sheffield United with two points are basically dead in the water. Um, So now we're going to hit the news and notes. Um, And hey, welcome to the COVID news and notes. Um, it all started on, uh, December 28th as, uh, Everton and Manchester city got, uh, postponed due to their own COVID nine, uh, COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, thanks to Kyle Walker and Gabriel Jesus, uh, testing positive, um, not didn't affect their match. Uh, Arsenal defender Gabriel also tested positive for COVID and then, as we alluded to, Tottenham Fulham was also postponed due to uh, to another COVID outbreak. Um, this one may have been um, because of the Fulham players. Um, there's also been a little bit of talk that even some Spurs, uh, including Lucas Mora, may have also actually tested positive, um, which has led some people to wonder, considering the names like Gabriel from Arsenal, Gabriel Jesus, and Lucas Mora. Um, and then some of the Fulham players, what do they all have in common? Well, they're all Brazilian and they're all like in the London area. So we're not saying there was a party amongst the Brazilian Premier League players for Christmas, 
but we're not not saying it either so just 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 throwing that out there everyone just make of that what you will um city did open their training ground today so they are they are back in action at least a little bit um there was also a 18 positive tests in the last testing period for the Premier League, which is the highest they've been since they've been testing, uh, which has resulted in them now starting to test twice a week. All these updates, again, thanks to the Athletic. Um, and you might think, wow, you know, it's, it's been a crazy season. Oh, man, all, all these players now all of a sudden getting covid um, you know, multiple matches getting postponed. There's down the future. And again, such compressed schedule, you know, maybe, maybe we should take a, a short break, and, you know, talk about it. No, nah. no, 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 no. Which uh, initially there was talk of taking a, uh, a multi-week break to pause things in which I, as I texted you, I was initially like, Oh fuck, this is horrible. And then I thought, wait, this gives us an actual winter break. This is great. <laughs> Wait, no, this is awesome. They absolutely need to do this. Um, no, because now one thing. So that that no. thanks to the evening standard that that plan will not be happening. Um, as uh, one Premier League spokesperson said, with low numbers of pos- positive tests across the overwhelming majority of clubs. The Premier League continues to have full confidence in its COVID-19 protocols and being able to continue to play our fixtures as scheduled, despite the fact that they just had to postpone two and could not play them as scheduled. Um, And Wes, one of my worries is, as as all this is happening, there's a chance that this might not actually get better and may in fact get worse. And from from an actual match standpoint... You know, we talked about, hey, Aston Villa's got their multiple matches in hand. There's a couple other teams that have multiple matches in hand. There's a lot of teams that are now getting matches in hand, like Tottenham and uh, Fulham just having to delay their match. Um, at a certain point, you start looking at the, the calendar and you're like, well, FA Cup's starting. <laughs> League Cup's going on. The Premier League's still going on. And oh, by the way, we hit February and European competition comes back. When exactly are we making up these matches? And that that to me is from from a pure league standpoint, not dealing with the human health crisis because God knows I can't speak on that. Um, that that's what would concern me the most is just if there are more and more postponements coming forward, when does the schedule allow for them to play these to make these up? Because also remember they can't stretch the the Premier League out. Because they have to play Euros starting in June, so that that's my biggest worry going forward. Wes is just is just how this will continue to wreck the schedule that is already pretty bad to begin with, and especially for the teams who are in Europe. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I don't have anywhere near an answer for you. I mean, all I can think is you just you know when. And teams are eliminated from cups. You just start stacking matches. I guess, yeah. If everybody's playing, if everybody's playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, you just gotta do what you gotta do. I guess. Yeah. Yay. That's uh, really all I've got. Ah, oh, well. So it's it's not gonna be fun. I mean, it's not. It's not fun. It's not. Mm-hmm. Air. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, but um, I mean, I, I don't know what else you can do at this point. No, I know. It's just, it's one of those where like, and believe me, I'm not one of those people who's just automatically saying, especially more so in England than here in America. You're saying, oh, just why are we even playing in a pandemic? Shut it down. Well, if you can, if you can keep your bubble intact, if you can manage the people, then then you can do that with with at the highest levels. You know, now where it's the championship and other stuff like that, and and teams aren't really testing very well. That really scares me. But at the at the top level. I'm not going to be like, no, you shouldn't be playing. But this, this is when I start to wonder, like, do, do we dare at a certain point have to start thinking about, can we finish the season? What if, what if we just can't get to some teams to 38 matches? What happens then? And I, I'm, I'd be very curious to know what the Premier League's plan is. I'm sure they have at least been talking about it. Um, I don't know what those would be, but. Uh, I'm just I'm very well you would you would hope they've been talking about it because apparently they have uh when asked if they had a plan for this going forward they said, uh, no <laughs> great so yeah apparently there was no um, ulterior plan so hopefully they're coming up with one now mm-hmm. and uh lastly on corona watch um this just came through I guess I guess about 12 hours ago um Liverpool the the last holdout now moves into tier three. Um, for the Premier League, and so they will no longer be able to have fans at their matches anymore, either. So, real now, and now it looks like we're going to have an empty stadium for um, for Liverpool, Man United. So, hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, what a great year! What a great year! Um, oh God, it's almost over. It is literally almost over. So, literally, we are at least on the east coast of the United States. We are. 25 hours and 31 minutes away. We are almost there. Oh, Jesus. Help us. Help literally, us get there, Lord. Literally, literally counting down. Um, and our other big story this week, um, this one getting out of England a little bit, in a in a big, big moment of what we love to call here hashtag Thursdays, because literally I believe this story came out about three hours after we finished podcasting in the morning yep. on East, East Coast here. Um, Thomas Tuchel was fired by Paris Saint-Germain after a win. After a 4-0 victory over Strasbourg. Um, this coming from the uh, the Athletic, of course. Um, they're, they're currently third. PSG is currently third in Lyon. Um, one, just one point away from Lyon. But... Um, Obviously, you know, he got this team to the uh, to the finals of the Champions League this past season, which was a big, big moment for this team and a big breakthrough for them. Um, he, However, he did talk about um, very recently about how uh, in an interview he felt more like a sports politician or a sports minister than a coach, mm. um, talking about how difficult it is to keep players such as Neymar and Mbappe happy. Um, he did say that he might have been translated incorrectly. Um, mm-hmm. But hey, they're getting to go on their winter break because, hey, that's that's what good leagues do, I guess. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it just what he was doing was not enough. And I'm guessing that there was a lot more behind the scenes issues based on that quote. 
Um, but Wes, that's obviously a big part. And before I let you take over with your thoughts, because I'm sure you have a lot. Uh, the other big story, of course, to come out of that is that former Tottenham Hotspur manager Maurizio Pochettino and former PSG player um, may be <laughs> the man to replace Tuchel over at PSG. Um, I don't believe that's been confirmed yet that he's actually signed the contract, right. um, but he is the runaway favorite for the job and uh, looks like he may be taking over the side there. So so big things happening at PSG West. Um, and, and you got to feel at least a little bad for Tuchel, who, who got this team all the way to the promised land of the Champions League final, and now four or five months later is being sacked. Yeah, Tuchel did it to himself. He's a prickly asshole. That's that, that is that. Word there is there. that, yeah. Um, and I mean, let's, let's just be honest. I mean, right now that club, they revolve around Neymar, they revolve around Mbappe. And when those two can't stand you, yeah. um, it's just, it's what it is. Um, and at the end of the day, you've got to be able to get along with your players or win at an extremely high level. True. And you know, while yes, he got them to the final last year of the Champions League, it was obviously a very strange year. It wasn't the traditional route to get there. And at the end of the day, they still held it against him that he lost it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obviously beating Strasbourg 4-0 didn't matter one way or the other. This, this was a decision that had been made. I think it had been made for weeks. Um, they were just waiting to go to their winter break to um, mm-hmm. announce it. You know, they have that nice natural break in there. So it worked out timing-wise. Uh, it does look like it's going to be um, Pochettino coming in. Former uh, Pochettino, also a former, um, you know, former captain of PSG. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a nice fit. He comes in. He'll bring some energy. Uh, I mean, guys like playing for Pochettino. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's a good move for him. I'm very happy Pochettino is going to PSG and not Manchester United. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, you know, I can – I think we can live with it a little better than maybe it could have been. So, um yeah, I mean, let's see what Potch can do. They, he's he's definitely walking into a tough spot. They're not playing well domestically. Uh, they're into the knockout stage in Europe, but they've had some injuries. They've got some issues. So, you know, let's see what he can do, see if he can hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see where Tuchel ends up. I don't. I, I think his best bet is going to be just sit and wait for uh, the summer and see what comes open. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I am interested because you know the big knock on Pochettino, and it wasn't always because of him necessarily, but the big knock on him at Spurs was they didn't win anything, and that's yeah. not something you can do at PSG again. He's going to have a much different cast of characters at PSG than he ever did at Spurs. Um, and in a much less, I, I would say, competitive league than than Tottenham played in. 
Um, but I do think there are going to be expectations and, and I hope he can pull it off. I, I will be pulling for them as much as I don't really want to pull for Neymar. Cause you know, how we feel about Neymar here. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I do want to see Pochettino succeed. So, so I hope he can get some trophies with them and, and lead them to good things. So, but we will, we will have to see how that plays out and we'll have to see if Pochettino does even take over. Cause the, again, that has not been completely confirmed. And whoever comes in is going to have a chance at that first trophy three days into it uh, because uh, they play in the Coupe, Coupe de France. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So somebody's winning a trophy about three days in. So. <laughs> Oh, what a what a way! For three days on the job, and you'll already win a trophy. That's 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 the return on investment from Pochettino. Oh, it'll uh, it, it'll be like uh, it'll be like Adrian walking into Liverpool last year. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, well, this is the part of the show where we start uh, pimping the athletic even harder and talking about what we've enjoyed reading in the past week or so. So, Wes, uh, what what kind of stories you got? Oh man, let me pull up mine real quick. Um, I had one that I absolutely loved and I made sure I held on to it. Um, bah, 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 bah. How to look after a Premier League footballer. Ooh. James put out yesterday. So um, they actually went in depth with um, with uh, personnel who ran, who ran the, who run player care departments in the league. Mm-hmm. These are the guys who behind the scenes are helping to take care of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're telling they're telling some of the good stories from that, some of the fun things. Uh, let's put it this way. They go into some detail about the craziness of Balotelli at City, which is always, always fun. <laughs> we talk about Mario being just a nut job. Um, but uh, that, was, that was definitely my favorite story that I read this week uh so definitely check that one out i I love that stuff where they give you the insight the inside knowledge Mm -hmm. um back over christmas there was a uh there was a three-parter drop the red sox best ever home run rankings uh they went from number 11 and number 20 and then number 10 and number one and then the ones that just missed it um spoiler alert the number one home run all time in the history of the boston red sox uh, David Ortiz, Game Four, two thousand four ALCS. Crazy. Uh, walk up in the twelfth inning against the Yankees. Uh, Joe Buck with the greatest Joe Buck call of all time. We'll see you back here tonight. <laughs> uh, see you later tonight. So, um, yeah, that was really fun. That's a, and and of course, you know, they've got as many videos embedded as they can. Uh, the Carlton Fisk home run was number two. Uh, I think Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon, the grand slam against the Yankees in game seven is up there. Just a lot of fun, man. Just a lot of fun. Really, really good. And that's like a three-parter. That was really good. Um, whew, I'm going to tell you the truth. Those are the two big ones. Those are the two big ones for me that I took away. Uh, there's also a Liverpool review of the year. Champions finally in 30 years of hurt by Kiever O'Neill. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Um mm-hmm. And then uh, something coming out, uh, some, you know, uh, a lot of the top college football players who are not in the playoff have been opting out of the bowl games, securing for the draft. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mandel's mailbag this week, could a bowl pay a player not to opt out starting next year? 
Ooh. Interesting. So, um, yeah, there's there's been a lot of a uh, lot of talk about that, a lot of a lot to do about that. So um yeah, just some things to keep an eye on. I mean, yeah, like, there's been so much good shit in there recently. It's not even funny, man. Their bowl coverage has been really good. Um, just, just great stuff. Man. It's the athletic. We love it. Oh, it's so good. Um, I'm going to check out that Red Sox home run ranking one. That seems really good. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Um, I will say mine is uh, from a couple days ago. Uh, Keith Law wrote an article about Cubs trading you Darvish to the Padres. Um, there was there was a couple big trades for the Padres in the last couple days um, where they got two really good pitchers, one from the Tampa Bay Rays and one from the Cubs um, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, not, not for San Diego. Everybody's like, yeah, San Diego, you're finally going for it. Good job, guys. Woo! Big big excitement over there in San Diego. It's more of an issue with uh, Chicago and Tampa Bay just really, really going salary dump hard. So uh, this is a it's this is a good article from Keith Law explaining his thoughts, which aren't super positive, also for Chicago. Right. Um, but I gotta say, just as a brief tangent. I, I am a fan of Moneyball. I, I understand working within the limits. You know, I, I loved, I hated that Oakland never won that much in the postseason when they built <laughs> about as good a, pro, a, a roster as they could back in the early 2000s with when they had uh, Mulder, Hudson, and Zito as their rotation. It was really good. Um, but for the Rays to trade away Blake Snell, when he's only making like thirty million, I, I I think at some point, at some point as a team, you just have to say okay, like like this is what San Diego is doing right now. All right, we we we've had our fun. We've we've met, met, built up our farm system. We've got our prospects. Let's do something with them. Boston did this a couple years ago. They won a World Series. Kind of sucks right now, but again. They won a World Series. At some point, Tampa Bay, even as money pinching as they have to be, at some point they kind of got to go for it. Like at some point, it's not just enough to say you're getting the best wins per dollar spent of any team in Major League Baseball. You need to like actually win a trophy. So please, Tampa, actually, actually try at some point, please. Please, Tampa Bay Spurs. Huh? Wait, what? Hey, hey, we just bought a bunch uh, of people. What are you talking about? How dare uh, you, sir? How you went and got your very own. You get went and got your very own Lupinel. Exactly. Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, did you see his Instagram post by the way today? I I don't know if that. Uh, it so no, well. I did not. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick because it was a classic. Uh, Josie Mourinho quote. Um, yeah, so so it's a it's just a, like a 15 second video of them at the training grounds, uh, just sitting in the room watching Sky Sports, and he's with like with his managerial staff and whatever. And the the caption of the video is match at 6 p.m. Dot dot dot. We still don't know if we play best league in the world. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> oh man, I oh, love Josie so much, so very much. He's he's so great. Um, all right, so that'll that'll bring us now to the watch for Wes. What you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Well, Ed, I've watched Letterkenny season nine, and yeah. since you haven't, we can't go into detail about that yet. How many episodes is it? Seven episodes. Okay. You need to you need to marinate, watch, figure it out, marinate a little more, figure it out. All right, we will uh, we will get it. it um, out, so. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I um. Oh Lord, you have a problem. Here we go. I I thought. Um, well, now you know. Now I don't know if I want to say it. No, I don't know. <gasps> what you want to say? Can't just leave that out there. This is this is live podcasting. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm coming or going now. Jeez. <sighs> anyway, um, so I I try to sort of introduce it to one name producer Jackie. Uh, <laughs> did not go well to the point that um, oh. we did our last. Uh, week we had um on Christmas Eve, oh. we basically watched starting around one o'clock in the afternoon. We basically just watched Christmas episodes of all, a bunch of different shows. Um, like uh-huh. Brook, we did a Brooklyn Nine Nine one, uh, a Psych one, a Christmas episode. Um, House was in in there. Um, trying to remember some of the other ones. Um, but yeah, a bunch of Christmas episodes. And one of the ones I wanted to have in there was Letter Kenny. And so we watched it. She did not find a lot of it very amusing. So not 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 a fan of the show, which is which is kind of surprising to me. Um considering some of the other shows she likes. But yeah, not not a fan of Letter Kenny. Not unfortunately did not did not get converted wow. to the Canadian lifestyle. So do, do you, do you think it's cause maybe she hadn't seen like any of the rest of it and didn't know what the hell was going I, on? Or? No. Cause she, I, I one time also played like the second episode of the entire, either it was either the first or second episode. Um, and she was in there. Oh, watching... was it fart book? Was it? No, not fart book. Um, oh, oh, it was the one where, uh, Oh no, it was the second episode. So it was the one where, uh, like <laughs> rat, rat tail and, um, all the guys come to fight Wayne because he's the toughest guy in Letterkenny. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, she she did not did not care for it. So unfortunate. I will be watch. I will continue to watch it though, and I will by the time by the time we have another podcast, I will make sure I have caught up on season nine of Letterkenny so we can talk about it in depth on this oh, podcast. Yeah. We're gonna need to, yeah. We're gonna need to talk about it. So. <clears throat> I'm very excited. I I'm, can't let that marinate too much. So, oh, Lord, not a fucking drive. Uh, <laughs> no fucking drive. Oh man. So, so yeah, that's that's our that's our watch for this week. Yeah. Um, that's all. That's all I got. Just marinate on it and figure it out. Figure it out. Um. All right. So that brings us sadly to sad draw. And uh, so I will. I will leave it to you, us to to do the proceedings as you normally do here for <sighs> for the very sad draw. This was a sad one, man. This is one that kind of hit hard and just like, whoa, what the shit? Because I mean, this was a dude who, you know, if you watch it, you just you know him, you like him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, John Huber, um, known in AEW as Brody Lee, known in WWE as Luke Harper, passed away from COVID complications at the age of 41. I mean, this dude, shit. I mean, we saw a lot of Brody Lee slash Luke Harper in the last five, six years, you know, as a member of the Wyatt family, uh, as a member of the Bludgeon Brothers, <clears throat> multiple-time WWE Tag Team Champion. Um, you know, had gone over to AEW, was doing some really good things, big things, and AEW was really one of their featured performers. And I believe it was the day after Christmas. And um, I know tonight AEW is having their tribute show toward them tonight. Uh, tonight being Wednesday that we're recording mm-hmm. this. Um, you know, WWE has acknowledged and done some things. This is crazy, man. I mean, it's one thing to lose, you know, Pat Patterson, you know, God bless him at the age of like nearly 80. It's another thing to lose a guy who's in his prime and is 41 years old and, you know, has a young kid and seemed like there was nothing wrong with him. Hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> you know we, we've been lucky with the COVID just this podcast between us we've been lucky with it but um i mean it it's just it's crazy how some people can get it and not have a sniffle and then some people it's just i mean some people like not even 100 year old geriatrics in a nursing home but i mean a 41 year old professional athlete mm-hmm. and it kills them so um Crazy, man. I absolutely hate it. You know, I, I don't watch it like I did, but, man, I, I really always liked his character. I liked his presentation. And it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a loss in the business. Had a lot of friends. Was one of the well-liked guys in, the, in both locker rooms, in both AEW and WWE. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a tough one, man. That was a tough one. Yeah. Very, very very sad and very shocking to a lot of people who may not have even known anything was wrong um to have that happen all of a sudden all right well that will that will do it for this episode of the afford affair podcast episode 347 once again thanks to uh ngsc sports and ngscsports.com we never stop um they're on the social media as well as us we are on twitter as a collective at afa pod uh wes you are i'm at west branch on 21 and I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. And you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Um, of course, thanks to our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um so yeah that will about do it for 2020 we made it through the year finally and we are well potentially we still have about 25 hours left yeah that's true um so yeah we we we're, we're almost there and by the time you listen to this it might actually be the new year so um but until we next talk to you in 2021 uh wes anything else to add before we leave uh, college football, the college football playoff starts <clears throat> this Friday. Yeah, the first. Uh, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Alabama, Notre Dame. Uh, next week, we'll have you a national championship game, hopefully. 
The good COVID <laughs> willing. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. College football is going, baby. It's going. Yeah, I, I've seen – I know Herb Street won't be able to call the game on site. I think I saw um, Clemson's offensive coordinator won't be there. Right, Um yep. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is interesting. Interesting times for everything as usual. Um, but with that, check that out, and we will be back next week. For another edition of the A Foreign Affair podcast from a Colin Crime West Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here this week, and we will catch you in the new year. Until then, everyone, stay safe and enjoy the football, whatever form that takes. Good night, guys. Somehow, some way, we made it through this year. Yeah. <sighs> some way. Yeah. Some way. Can't figure it out, but uh. Good, good night to all of you. We we deserve the sleep of the dead. Yes. Not, not to actually be dead. Uh, yeah, just to sleep. Yeah. All right. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.